Welcome, friends, to this brand new edition of A Heart After God Bible Teaching Ministry with Pastor Brad Abley. We're delighted that you've joined us today, and we've already been praying for you, that you would meet the Lord in a fresh, new way. We've also been praying that you would be changed and transformed into the image of Jesus by the power of His Word and by the power of the Holy Spirit. And now, let's resume our Know Your Faith series as we go through the entire Gospel of Luke, patiently, slowly, and verse by verse. Here's Pastor Brad. Well, very warm greetings to you, my dear friends. This is Pastor Brad Abley with A Heart After God Bible Teaching Ministry, a ministry that is designed to take you deeper into the Word of God. And I will do my best uh, to preach and teach this message with clarity, but I am recovering from that nasty disease called COVID, and I'm grateful to God that my wife and I have been able to make it this far. Uh, what has it been? It's been two years now without getting COVID. My wife got it as well. Uh, hers was a very mild case. Mine was much more intense, but thank God I'm over it, and now I'm dealing with a injured back, uh, lower back pain. And so would you, you know, it's just a reminder, my friends, to pray for us. Is it, is it, a, is it because of the devil? I don't know. Uh, but one thing I do know is we need protection for our bodies, our spirit, our soul, our body, everything that you can think of to pray for us. Please pray for us, even as we pray for you. Well, we are in, I just love the title of our series, the Know Your Faith series. What could be better than to know our faith? And that is precisely what the Gospel of Luke does. It teaches us about our faith, but more than just teaching us about our faith, it leads us into deeper faith with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit every time we open up the Gospel of Luke or anytime we open up anywhere in the Scriptures, as long, at least in my conviction, as long as we first pray before we open up the Word of God, because that what we do when we're praying before we open up the Word of God is we're saying to the Holy Spirit, you are our teacher, you are my teacher, and I can't get anything out of this Word apart from your teaching. And my heart has to be ready. My heart, my mind have to be ready to receive from you. And that's why, my friends, that's why we pray before we open up the Word of God, we're in Luke chapter 10, and uh, before we go into the passage, let's pray. Father, thank you for every man, woman, and child listening to this message. Oh my God, would you change us and transform us into the image of Jesus? There's nothing that brings greater satisfaction than to become more like you, Lord Jesus. And this is your work, Holy Spirit. This is how you glorify the Father and the Son, and that is by sanctifying us, growing us, maturing us, 
and leading, leading and guiding us in your truth. And so we agree with you, Holy Spirit. Would you come now and open our eyes, our ears, our hearts to receive all that you have for us? And may there be extraordinary fruit, both presently and eternally, for the glory of the Father and of the Son. In Jesus' name we ask, amen <laughs> and amen. I'm so happy to be with you. That's why I'm chuckling a little bit. Um, I'm just joyful in God's presence. I'm joyful thinking about you. I'm expecting uh, God to do great things in your lives. So are you ready, my friends? Luke chapter 10. Now, we are going to be getting into a subject that is not, it's not an exciting subject. I can't imagine any preacher being excited to preach about the judgment of God. But that is what we have to do because that is the passage that we're coming into. Now, God's judgment <laughs> is a very, very serious matter, and we have got to get it right. We've got, when we think of God's judgment, when we, when we speak of God's judgment, really our hearts ought to have his heart. Well, that's the case for anything, but when we speak of God's judgment, we ought to speak of God's judgment the way Jesus speaks of his judgment. And we're going to see that in our passage in Luke chapter 10 right now. You recall that Jesus is has appointed 70 other of his disciples. Um, that is in addition to the 12. He appointed 70 others to preach uh, his word and to cast out demons and heal the sick uh, and let people know that the kingdom of God has come near you. And so he says in verse 8 of Luke 10, whatever city you enter and they receive you, eat what is set before you. Verse 9, and heal those in it who are sick and say to them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. That is that God is doing something that man can't do, at least in those times when they didn't have much in the way of medicine or hospitals, etc. Supernatural healing was a declaration of the power and the love and the sovereignty and the presence of God through his messengers. Well, in verse 10, here comes the warning. But whatever city you enter, and they do not receive you. Why? Because they're preaching in Christ Jesus, there is eternal life for anyone who repents of their sin and is willing to follow him for the rest of their days. That is to surrender their lives to him. Have you surrendered your life to Jesus Christ? I'm going to give you an opportunity to do just that in this message. And so the kingdom of God has come near, and it should be received through the king who is Jesus. But if it's rejected, that is something that is very serious. And so he says, whatever city you enter and they do not receive you, they reject the message, 
go out into its street, that is publicly, and say even the dust of your city, which clings to our feet, we wipe off in protest against you. Now, that society understood the gravity of this situation, the seriousness of this situation, because they have rejected the greatest offer of God possible, and that is eternal life in Jesus Christ. Let's read that again. Even the dust, verse 11, of your city which clings to our feet, we wipe off in protest against you, yet be sure of this. Know it. Be certain that the kingdom of God has come near. And then here is when Jesus begins to speak of coming judgment for rejecting him. I say to you, verse 12, that's a solemn phrase that he uses. I say to you, it will be more tolerable in that day for Sodom than for that city. And he's not done. Verse 13, woe to you, Chorazin. This is a neighboring town in Galilee, a neighboring town of Capernaum. And woe is not a railing judgment. It is a term of grief. It's a term of grief, my friend. And that tells you everything you need to know about Jesus and what he thinks about judgment, that God does not want to judge the world. In fact, he has made every provision for you and for me to go free from his wrath and his judgment against our sin that we deserve because he placed it upon his only son on the cross. Your sin, my sin, put upon the sinless Son of God, on his shoulders. So through faith in him, we could be considered righteous before God and not judged, but actually be recipients of his gracious offer of eternal life. There's no message like this. There never has been. There never will be a message like this in all of humanity where God so loved the world that he gave his only unique son that whoever believes in him would not perish. That is to come to ruination of all that is of value, but have everlasting life. And Jesus, more than anybody, understands the seriousness of God's judgment, the consequences of God's judgment. And if we refuse his offer of eternal life, then we will have to stand before the great white throne of judgment and give an account for every single sin we have ever committed and those things that we didn't do that we should have done. Every single rotten word, every thought, every action, everything. Millions upon millions upon millions upon millions of sins, God 
will judge every one of those and he will judge them openly for all the world to see. Think carefully, my friend, about the most important decision you will ever make, and that is what you will do with Jesus' offer of eternal life. I'm praying for you. And so Jesus says in verse 13, Woe to you, Chorazin! Woe to you, Bethsaida, also a neighboring town of Capernaum! This is where some of his disciples came from. And here's the reason why. For if the miracles had been performed in Tyre and Sidon, which occurred in you, they would have repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes. Verse 14, but it will be more tolerable for Tyre and Sidon in the judgment than for you. Verse 15, and you Capernaum, Jesus, Jesus, well, his hometown was Nazareth, but he he moved to Capernaum, and that is where he set up his headquarters for his ministry, if you will. And you, Capernaum, so they would might might think that just because Jesus lived there and did miracles, that they were the favorites of God, and that wasn't the case because most of them were glad to receive his miracles but chose not to follow him. And so he says, verse 15, and you, Capernaum, will not be exalted to heaven, will you? You will be brought down to Hades. Woe to you. Again, that word is a term of grief. Here, the Son of God being grieved over what is going to happen to those who refuse his offer of eternal life. He's grieved over it because there is no other way to heaven. Now, we live in a society of, we understand judgment, don't we? We understand judgment. Everyone, Every society judges evil. Every society judges murder, rape, kidnapping. Those are very serious crimes, but judgment is part of our world. Criminals must be judged or what happens to society. It breaks down. I'm seeing that happen in our nation where politicians no longer have the will to put criminals in jail. And so they're going through stores and stealing expensive things in broad daylight, our nation can't continue when it allows such things to happen. Drugs destroy lives and the lives of others, especially those that sell drugs. People who steal from others have to pay a price. Those who slander someone's character, that's a serious offense in a court of law. So, Punishment and judgment in our society is everywhere, but here's the reality. People are such hypocrites that they want others to be judged, but they don't want to be judged themselves. They love to point the finger at others, but they fail to see their own sin and how serious it is in God's eyes. Do you know 
that when the events of the book of Revelation begin to unfold, Revelation chapter 16, on three occasions, when the judgments of God are at their most intense, that people will curse God and blaspheme him, blaspheme his name instead of repenting. Now, let's go back to verse 12 when Jesus and and it's and and this isn't even Jesus himself preaching this is his messengers his disciples preaching for him in his name he says in verse 12 of Luke 10 and I say to you it will be more tolerable in that day for Sodom than for that city. Now, if you know anything about Sodom and Gomorrah, which I would encourage you, if you have a Bible, to read about it in Genesis 18 and 19. When you think about how God judged wicked Sodom and Gomorrah, primarily, for their horrific sexual sin, and at the top of the list was homosexuality. And what happened to those people? Fire and brimstone came down from heaven and wiped out both of those cities and everybody in them. The evidence can be seen everywhere in that location in the southern part of Israel. There are literal pillars of salt where fire and brimstone rain down from heaven. And that, my friends, serves as a warning to every succeeding generation of what will happen when God brings forth his judgment. What if you die before you repent of your sin and give your life to Jesus Christ? You have no hope. You will stand before God and give an account for every single one of those multiplied millions of sins that I mentioned earlier. You will give an account and you will spend an eternity in hell apart from God with no possibility of getting out. Jesus describes hell graphically, weeping and gnashing of teeth, outer darkness, flames of fire, These are metaphors that they may be real as well. Don't discount it. My friend, the most important decision you can ever make is what you will do with Jesus. I plead with you as the Holy Spirit brings conviction not to harden your heart, but to repent and give your life to him. I'm going to give you an opportunity in just a moment. Jesus goes on. And then, surprisingly, he talks about Tyre and Sidon. This was part of the city-state of Phoenicia. 
It's right on the Mediterranean Sea, just north of Israel. And Tyre and Sidon were famous for how rich the people were. And Tyre was, was an island fortress. And it was thought that no one could conquer Tyre because it was surrounded by water and it was too difficult to get to. And Tyre, because of their vast riches, became arrogant before God. And they thought they could never be judged. They thought no one could ever take them over. And God warned Tyre and Sidon of coming judgment. He warned them through Isaiah the prophet. He warned them through Ezekiel the prophet, Isaiah 23 and Ezekiel 26 through 28, three chapters. So serious was Tyre's sin in the eyes of God that in Ezekiel 28, verses 11 through 19, he compared them to Satan and Satan's pride, which is what cast him out of heaven. And Jesus is saying that those who reject him will face a more serious judgment than Tyre and Sidon and Sodom? To the human mind, that just doesn't seem possible. He, he's, he's not judging them for homosexuality or riches or, or pride. He's judging them for rejecting the offer of salvation that he accomplished for them by being crucified in their place. So you see, my friend, the most serious sin that anyone could ever commit is a refusal to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior. When you die apart from him, you, you hold on to your sin, and you will stand before the great white throne of judgment and given a public accounting for every single sin that you have ever committed. Everyone, you will not escape judgment. But you can escape now if you surrender your life to Jesus. Just like I did way back in 1981. And how grateful I am to God this day for the salvation that he gave me by grace through faith. Now, I'm going to pray a prayer for you right now. And if you are ready to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I want you to pray with me. If you can pray out loud, then pray out loud. If you can pray, if you can't, then pray silently with me. These words, are you ready? Lord Jesus Christ, I'm sorry for my sin against you. And I come before you now and I ask you to forgive me of my sin. I turn away from sin. I turn away from self. 
and I surrender my life to you, Lord Jesus. Take my life. Take it over. Use it for your glory. And I will live for you and I will serve you all the days of my life. Thank you, Jesus, that you have heard my prayer. And thank you, Jesus, that you are now my Lord and my Savior. Now, let me pray for you, my friend. Father, may the Spirit of the living God fall afresh on these people. May you protect them from the powers of darkness, uh, from those who mock them or persecute them or ridicule them. Protect them, keep them, cover them, and cause them to grow and flourish in you forevermore. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen and amen. Now, friends, let me pray for those of you who have needs. In the remaining time that we have in this broadcast, would you join together with me and let's trust God to answer prayer, and to do miracles in the name of Jesus. Father, we pray now that you would open the heavens, that you would visit the people, that you would answer prayer, that you would perform miracles, that you would glorify your name because you are our prayer-answering, covenant-keeping, miracle-working God. And now I pray that your healing power would flow down upon the heads of the people that are listening to this broadcast and bring your healing throughout their bodies. Do miracles, even as you said to me, as you've been saying to me the last week from Micah 7, I think it's verse 15, I will show you miracles. Lord Jesus, open the eyes of the blind. Lord Jesus, touch the paralytic. Lord Jesus, heal those of malaria that have malaria. Heal those who have COVID. Heal those who have AIDS. Lord Jesus, raise the dead. Lord Jesus, heal cancers. Lord Jesus, we command demons to come out of bodies in the name of Jesus. And we bind every demonic attack that would come against us in the name of Jesus. Lord, Father, would you provide financially for your people? Nothing is impossible with you. Would you do miracles of provision for them in Jesus' name? And Father, would you stir the hearts of husbands and wives to humble themselves before each other and, and to forgive each other for offending each other and hurting one another. My friends, I would encourage you to say, just to go to your husband or your wife and say, I was wrong. Would you please forgive me? Why? Because God forgives you every single time you ask. And if you're not willing to forgive your spouse, God will not forgive you. So forgive. Forgive as often as you need to forgive until you no longer need to forgive. That is those of you who are being asked to forgive. 
And even if they don't ask, forgive anyway. Love one another, serve one another, encourage one another, honor one another, believe the best in one another, pray with one another, pray for one another. Treat each other the way God treats you, my friend. And watch what he will do with your marriage. I'm telling you the truth. Ephesians 5 verse 1 tells us this, Therefore be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love, just as Christ also loved us and gave himself up for us. That is how we ought to love our husbands and wives. Hallelujah. Now, Lord, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. And may the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. Amen and amen. Thank you, Pastor Brad, for this outstanding message and time of ministry. Friends, Pastor Brad and his wife Maureen need a prayer team. Would you kindly consider praying for them on a daily basis? Thank you for your partnership. If you've been blessed by this ministry, please tell others about it. If you would like to partner with him financially, please go to his website at bradably.com. You can also check out his two devotionals and his commentaries on amazon.com. Until next time, we pray that our Lord stir you daily to have a greater heart after him in every way.